Detroit today on 101.9 WDETM. Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. After more than a decade of being president at the University of Detroit Mercy, Dr. Antoine Garibaldi has decided to retire from his post at the end of this academic year. After taking a sabbatical, he's going to return to the university as a tenured professor in educational psychology. The first black president of the university, Garibaldi, has seen many changes come both to the university, its campus, and the surrounding neighborhood and northwest Detroit. And he's had his fair share of really great successes. He has more than tripled the school's endowment since he took the helm in 2011 and has increased student enrollment numbers, particularly for first-generation college students during his tenure. There have also been a lot of other changes that happened, not just at the university, but also in that surrounding area of northwest Detroit. As such, we wanted to talk with him about some of the success that he has attained and some of the challenges that he sees persisting at the university once he retires from the president's office. Antoine Garibaldi, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks so much, Stephen. It's great to be back. Yeah, it's always great to have you here. So uh, tell us, why now? Why step down from the president's office after 10 years? Well, um, this is my uh, my 11th year here at the university. I was president for 10 years at Gannon University, and I believe that many of the things that I said we wanted to do have been accomplished, and it's a great time for my successor to take and build upon some of those items. And when I came back in 2011, uh, I guess I would uh, summarize it in, uh, in in these items. I said we needed to strengthen our mission, our enrollment, our finances, our fundraising, our endowment, and also uh, our partnerships with the, with the local community. And we've done all of those uh, very well. It's not been easy, uh, but through the collaboration of so many individuals here on this campus and our other three campuses it's uh, you know it's it's really been very very successful from fundraising our enrollment you mentioned this is our largest freshman class in more than 12 years we have 570 students and uh, at the undergraduate level we've done very well in all of our other um, colleges uh, throughout the university we have seven schools and colleges so everything from you know, law and dentist, uh, dental, uh, as well as uh, business and uh, liberal arts and education and nursing and health professions. Um, you know, they've all been in architecture. You know, we've all done very, very well in that. So uh, so it's a good time. And, uh, you know, though we don't like to talk about age so much, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good time for me to try <laughs> to spend some time. And one of the things I really want to do is I want to write a book on both my experiences here at Detroit Mercy as well as at Gannon because I think there are some leadership lessons that uh, some others coming behind me would like to hear about and how we really tackled a lot of those challenges. Sure. So I want to flash back to 10 years ago when you got here. The university was in a really different place, and you've done a lot of work to try to move it to a better place. Let's start with money. Um, You've helped raise more than... $100 $100 million for the university tripled the endowment. Talk about why that was important uh, and what that sets the university up to be able to do now. Well, we had never had a campaign of that large. I think the closest um, 
uh, person who did that was Sister Maureen Fay, who was the first non-Jesuit of the university. And I know you mentioned I was the first black president. I'm also the first lay president mm-hmm. out of 25 presidents. But uh, getting support from alumni is extremely important. And because we are a private institution, we do not get any major funds from the state or the federal government. And so the best way for us to be able to support so many of our first-generation college students, one-third of our student body are first-generation college students at the undergraduate level, we really needed to get the financial support of uh, our alumni. And so we raised $115 million over uh, over a period of seven years. Our goal was $100 million. The majority of that money is going to go to support student scholarships for those students. And I'm pleased that more than 75% of that money came from our alumni. We have 100,000 alumni, and we have 32 individuals who gave $1 million or more uh, to that campaign. So obviously the next campaign is going to be a lot larger than $100 million, but that is the way that we have to secure our future by providing those scholarships and other forms of support not just from our alumni, but also through foundations and other government grants that we uh, uh, we compete for, along with many of the other 5,000 college, uh, colleges, universities around the country. So all of those things factor into what our national rankings are. And so we're now in a category of national universities, and we're the only one in the state, uh, the private university, among four uh, institutions, both uh, public and private, that are in that category. So those kinds of things help to attract students, but it also helps to energize our alumni who want to support the institution and give back in the same way that when they were in school, many of those individuals were first-generation mm-hmm. college students too. So fundraising is extremely important for a private university as well as public institution these days. Right. You've also increased student population overall. Uh, talk about why that was possible. And again, uh, expand on this idea of the importance of including first-generation students in those in those classes as they come in. Yeah, well, you know, since our founding in 1877 uh, by the Jesuits and then the Sisters of Mercy um, in Mercy College of Detroit, uh, when they, um, uh, you know, consolidated with the university and Sister Maureen Fay was the president uh, at that time and uh, just passed away this past summer, uh, that was really the dream of both she and Father Mitchell, who were the presidents at that time. And they recognized that they were competing against one another. And they said, well, if we want to have the strongest Catholic university in the state of Michigan, uh, let's come together. And both of them, both of those institutions, really worked hard to recruit students from uh, working-class families who had never, ever had a uh, college. Their parents had never had a college uh, 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 education experience, and that was really one of the goals. So from from the first day that I was here, I began to make contacts with principals of local high schools, visited those high schools, and then over time we established a Catholic education grant that attracted more of our Catholic school students to us. And then also in 2017, we uh, established a tuition reset. We did a little research, and we reset our tuition from $41,000 to $28,000. That made us more competitive and more affordable with students who may have never ever considered a private college education. And so we recognize that there are lots of students out here 
um, in this community and throughout the state as well as nearby states who want to get a college education, but their parents can't afford it, and they don't think that they can afford it. So we want to make that possibility um, you know, uh, possible for them, and that's why we call it our, our uh, tuition reset, Assure Your Boundless Future. It really was about making sure that any student who was planning on getting a post-secondary education could look at the University of Detroit Mercy as well as any other institution that they were considering. So mm. uh, we, we said we'd make a way for them, so they did not have to work, uh, worry about the money. And so we took money off the table and said, you're academically talented. Uh, we want you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, w- I want to give you a chance to talk before we have to end about going back to teaching, which I know is a great passion of yours. You have to be excited about uh, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about that. Um, even during my last 20 years as a president and even about another 20 years before that, I was an administrator as well as a professor during all of that time at uh, Xavier and Howard University as well as Gannon. Um, I have kept up my scholarship and tried to write a scholarly article about every couple of years. The mm-hmm. topics range from topics on higher education, African-American males, as you know, is one of the things that uh, I started doing about 30 years ago. Uh, certainly, teacher education is is important for me, and I'm still called on quite a bit to talk about urban education. So mm-hmm. I want to do some research uh, on those topics, and I know that there are lots of foundations that are very interested in that, and it's hard to do it when you're full-time running the university. And so that plus, like I said, uh, try to highlight some of the leadership lessons which I've learned through the whole process of being an administrator. Uh, it's going to be something I'm looking forward to, just sitting down writing and identifying all the similarities and the commonalities among what it takes to uh, run a university in uh, these challenging times. And I'm not even talking about a pandemic. I mean, that was one that uh, really came along. So, uh, you know, I like to tell people that 70, 72 days in my first presidency, 9-11 hit. Yeah. And, um, when I came here, a uh, year and a half into it, it was the uh, uh, municipal bankruptcy right, of the city. Right. And many people were very, very helpful. And I definitely want to you know, acknowledge uh, Mayor Bing, who mm-hmm. I met on the first day that I arrived here <laughs> on that weekend of uh, Memorial Day mm-hmm. in 2011. And his first words to me is, let me know how I can help you. And uh, he certainly did provide that assistance that I needed in those first, uh, first two years. Yeah. Okay, uh, Dr. Antoine Garibaldi. Uh, I'm sad that you're retiring from the presidency, but glad that we're keeping you here in the Metro Detroit community and at U of D Mercy. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Stephen. That's going to do it for us today. Tune in tomorrow when we're going to talk with Detroit City Clerk candidate Denzel McCampbell and the Atlantic staff writer Hannah Georges is going to talk about her piece in the magazine's Inheritance Project about the unwritten rules of black television. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.